Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway. Welcome to A Dash of Drush, weekly reflections on our world through the lens of Torah. After the Ecstasy, the Laundry. That's the title of a, a great book by Jack Cornfield, the well-known uh, Jewish Buddhist author. And the concept is that really we can reach these high moments of ecstasy, but really whatever those moments are, we then get on with the details of our lives. And that really defines what happens now. Last week, we talked about this immense and significant event at Mount Sinai and everything that was happening with the mountain on fire and all the rest. And it could be maybe described as a moment of ecstasy. But now the Torah is really preoccupied about how we create society based on justice. And that's our theme today. We're going to be talking about justice and different ways in which the Torah gives advice to all of us, but really specifically to the judges. The judges, you know, in our daily prayers, we have a, a phrase that, has, that says, Hashiva shoftenu for like please God restore the the judges as they once were, justice and judgment. You know we have um, our judiciary in, in in government as being such an important uh, part of the way government does business. But what really is justice from a Torah perspective? That's our our question today. And to help me grapple with that question, I'm really thrilled to be joined today by um, a very important teacher of mine and a friend, uh, Mori Yehudis Fishman, who um, describes herself as a free agent working for God, which those of us who know her really understand that there are no, no boundaries to where Mori Yehudis teaches, and she's a beloved teacher across the Jewish community of, of Boulder, Colorado and beyond. And so it's great to have you here today, Yehudis. Hi, shalom. Hi, pleasure to be here. So what's your first reaction to this question about about justice and judges? How would you how would you define the Torah's view of justice? Well, it comes to my mind uh, a Talmudic saying Kol Hadan Din Emet Lamito, whoever judges something really truthfully becomes a partner with God. So I think there's a premise that God is a God of justice, but at the same time, human beings have to carry out justice in both a, a logical, civil way, and at the same time with a higher view in terms of aligning with God's values. So in other words, we can't really just take, as it were, justice into our own hands. We have to feel ourselves inspired and motivated by higher values of justice, imagining that there's a some kind of justice beyond anything that human beings can understand, perhaps. Yeah, there, there, there's a principle if somebody happened to be convicted of a capital crime but got off on illegality, there's an idea that God will kind of finish the process of, of whatever needs to happen to that person as a consequence. Right. So in other words, there are only so-called judges and the ultimate judge is, is God, perhaps. Right, right. <laughs> um, I think that it's it's powerful to me that after the as I said like after this ecstatic experience of Sinai that we go straight into some of these laws of justice and there's some very known principles that I think are 
um, perhaps if taken at surface value misunderstood like the Torah talks explicitly of, about iron tachet iron shein tachet shein an eye for an eye and a, and a tooth for a tooth and it, it goes on a, you know a foot for a foot a hand for a hand and all of these with these ways which of course seen literally are not the kind of justice that we necessarily imagine but um, we know that the Torah never really meant that right right the, the rabbis say that the word an eye for an eye really means the value of an, an eye for another eye because no two situations are the same and you know, people are surprised when I, I talk about Judaism as, as having kind of situational ethics and I don't mean that it changes with the times but I, I mean it takes all the details of the context into consideration before making a, a judgment uh-huh. so like the Practically speaking, the value of of a jeweler's eye is not the same as the value of a farmer's eye. Uh-huh. And so, we have this understanding that is very much rooted in the rabbinic tradition that it was never meant to be a literal kind of "I'm going to pull out people's eyes and make them blind or cut off their hands," but much more about realizing the essential ways in which people need their bodies to to fulfill their life's purpose and that we would have to monetarily compensate them for the loss for the damages and damages of course is a huge part of this there's there's many 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 hundreds of pages of talmud that talk about the laws of damages and and the 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 guiding principles for all of that is in this in this very section of torah mishpatim which really talks about things like ox, an ox that gores um, other animals or, or, or human beings, and if you've dug a pit and someone like falls into that pit, and all the principles that we have today, I think for for, for liability, you know, I civil mean, law, if, civil law, really come from the principles that are derived right here. So, just wondering, just going a little bit deeper, we're talking about laws of damage and like who's liable for what, under what circumstances. Um, but I think there's also a, a kind of deeper way of looking at that that sense of, of of justice when it comes to damages. Would you say? Well, th- there's a there's a principle that a person's property is really kind of an extension of their soul, and therefore to deprive or hurt a person's property is like hurting the person. Uh-huh. And so there's a whole range of compensation, not just the physical. Uh, payment of the damages, but there's something called healing payments and and boshet if a person was caused shame by the damage. Mm-hmm. So the rabbis take all that into consideration because, you know, the Talmud says that your property is valuable. Whatever you have is meant you're meant to use it for a holy purpose. And so if it's taken away from you, then you're bereft of that ability to you know, maintain that purpose. Right. Yes, and and I I suppose it's just this notion that in the same way in our, our lives we may not we may may not have oxen and and donkeys and we may not be primarily agricultural and digging holes in our fields but we we interact with people in different ways all the time whether it's driving our cars or just walking down the street or having uh, businesses that may you know impact other people's lives so I think the the, the principles are the same are the same principles like we we inevitably interact with other humans and inevitably at some point in our life whether physically or emotionally or spiritually we're going to cause another person damage and so the Torah is very careful about how we go about uh, compensating uh, 
uh, for that, right? Yeah, and I, I think part of the principle too is that there is a faith-based aspect to it. Um, the rabbis point out in the very beginning of the parsha of the portion that the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court, has to be on the grounds of the temple of the Holy Temple of the Beit Hamikdash to have that aspect that, like you taught last week, uh, that the beginning when when a person wakes up, the first realization should be, "I have placed God before me always." So the idea that person might think they can get away with something because nobody, no human is watching, but the principle is, again, the higher judge is paying attention. Yeah, and I think um, people who know and, and love you, uh, Yehudas, think of you as primarily being a, a teacher of Hasidus, Hasidut, this very specific text, and I'm, I'm, I know that the Talmud actually uses the term Hasid as in this instance of someone who's extra careful about avoiding someone to have harm on their property, like burying things really, really, really deeply that might cause harm and going beyond the letter of the law. I wonder if you have any any thoughts on that about what, what it means to be a Hasid. And, and the, the usual translation of Hasid is really someone who's who's extra pious in certain ways, but there's a movement, it's really about a much deeper spiritual understanding of of something that could be just read on a, a more surface level. Well, I think this t- ties in with a saying from Ethics of the Fathers that was actually quoted last night. Um, the idea is that in Pirkei Avot there's a teaching, whoever says uh, mine is mine and yours is yours, that's an average person. Whoever says mine is mine and yours is mine is, is a wicked person. and one who says, mine is mine, but mine is also yours, is a chassid, is called a chassid, this righteous person in the sense that whatever we have more of, we have responsibility and an obligation to share with others. You know, Judaism is not kind of socialist in the sense everybody has to put something in a common pool, but even when, when, a pers- when people are earning more than others, they're expected kind of like the honor system to be able to... to, to to take care of those who have less. And of course that's throughout this Parsha we're constantly being reminded of our, of our obligation to the people who are vulnerable in our society, um, especially the, the poor among us and, and the obligation we have to them. And then, and then the, the, the Torah also tells us uh, twice in this Parsha, that we have the obligation to love the, the stranger, the outsider, uh, the person who's not part of your community. And the reason the Torah gives in the first place, it, it says, because you have been a stranger in Mitzrayim, you have been a stranger in Egypt. And then in the second place, it says, you know you know the heart of the Ger, you know the experience emotionally and physically of what it means to be uh, to be a stranger. I, I can't help right now thinking of that in terms of um, the millions of refugees all over the world. I mean, there's so many people who are displaced from their homes and are trying to get sanctuary in, in various places. Um, the Torah, I mean, the rabbis, maybe the Ger meant someone who'd converted to Judaism is a common understanding, or maybe it just meant some a, a Jew who was from not your same place. But I would like to think that the Torah is really talking to us about our relationship with the outside world and our obligations um, to people who are not part of our own community. Do you have any any thoughts about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, there there's a kind of uh, a spiral of respons- 
responsibility where a person is expected to take care of themselves and their family and their community, uh, but also to take care of any anybody in need in the world. And you know, the Jewish law says if, if you have a friend who's not Jewish, you know, you should go to their funeral or, or visit them if they're sick. So there's an, a kind of expanding circle of inclusion that Judaism is aware of, not just for Jews themselves, but for the rest of the world too. Mm -hmm. And it does seem so, you know, our experience, not just as being, you know, historically uh, slaves in Egypt, but just our our experience as a people we've, we have we've been refugees we've been displaced we've been persecuted against and that does give us I would hope a heightened uh, sensitivity to the plight of the vulnerable in the world and to um, you know I think it's it's um, with good reason that Jews have been at the forefront of, of social activism I mean HIAS which is the the biggest um, kind of organization that's helping refugees was originally founded as a a Hebrew immigrant society and um, was taking care of of, um, of Jewish refugees and now sees itself as being very 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 impactful in in the the resettlement of, of refugees from all over the world. I think on a similar vein, uh, and I'd love to have your 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 thoughts on this. There's really this sense we're not now talking about a, a stranger, but someone who is our oyev, someone who is our enemy. And the Torah has two different examples. If you see, the first one is if you see the, the, the ox or the donkey of your enemy that's kind of wandered astray, that's clearly lost, you have an obligation. The Torah emphasize, emphasizes it with a double use of a verb. You have an obligation to return the ox or the donkey to its, to its owner, even if, in fact, not even if, especially if perhaps uh, the owner is your enemy. And then in the second example, if you see your enemy's, again, donkey or ox, overburdened, like suffering, the animal is suffering from having too much loaded onto it as a pack animal. Um, it's, uh, the, Taurus, the Taurus says um, that you really have to help. You have to help relieve the burden. And again, it's an emphatic use of the verb, la'azov, um, to, 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 to help. And so it seems... Um, Amazing, and you know, we, we perhaps we see our our society. We see so many examples of sort of relishing in the suffering of our enemies, and and this sort of you know Schadenfreude. You could say this idea that we we kind of like um, celebrate when our enemy is down and suffering. But the Torah obviously is not <laughs> promoting that kind of relationship with enemies, right? Is that an actual verse in the book of Proverbs in Mishle, Ben Pol al when your enemy falls, don't don't be happy. And we know on Passover uh, we spill some wine out and to represent express kind of grief for the people who had to suffer and we only do half of a halal, half of one of the prayers. Um, but there's an interesting concept too Later in the Torah, talk, in Kitetse, it talks about the donkeys too, and talks about the donkey of your friend and your enemy, and you should go to your enemy first. And part of the idea is not just to help that person, but also to kind of refine your own character, to, to recognize why, why is that person your enemy? It could be a ton of reasons, but you want to you know, rise above that, so to speak. And 
what's really, really fascinating, the Hebrew word that's used for help is the word azov, which literally means leave. And how could that be? You know, leaving something and helping seems to be two opposite things. Right. So some of the commentaries explained that you leave your personal whatever gripe that you might have, you, you leave that alone and you go to help the person. So that's oh. the context. Of oh, beautiful. So that really is, I mean, and I think many people see the Torah as being primarily about refining our personality, refining our character, um, and not just going with what we might naturally want to do. In this case, you know, go, ha, 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 that donkey is really suffering, but I know it's so-and-so's donkey, and ha, ha, ha. But really that we, we move beyond that feeling and really take a higher, a higher moral ground. And that seems to fit in with the, the overall theme, uh, wouldn't you say, of, of, of justice, the whole idea. You know, I mean, when, when we say, as I said, as I said like in, in the introduction here, that, that one of the, one of the uh, 13 blessings in, the, in, the, in the, the central prayer that we say every day, three times a day, some of us, um, is about restoring the judges. Hashiva shoftenu, restore our judges. And what, what, do you, what do you think that, what do you think we're praying for when we pray to restore our judges? Kavarishona, like the ones, like the original judges. Is it talking about these judges that were in the Torah? Well, I, I think it's judges the way they were meant to be. I think of Samuel as a, a really great model of being a judge. And, and the Talmud says about him, he used to go, he was like a circuit judge. He would travel to different com communities. He wouldn't just wait for people to come to him. And he kind of like, like Aaron, the high priest, was the one who actually, uh, you know, made peace between people. And, and that's an image of, of somebody who not just, you know, not just decides something after the damage is done, but tries to give people a sense of, of, of peace and harmony before negative situations even occur. Mm. So true, true justice is related to, to peace. There's a, a strong connection between a world that has peace between people and a world that has justice. There's a beautiful example from King, King David. So King David was a judge and people, so one of the other verses in this Parsha says, don't favor the poor. So what does that mean? It means that just because somebody is poor, you shouldn't you, you shouldn't have the case in their favor if, if it's not just. But at the same time, you have to have compassion. So King David, if he had to judge a case where the poor person lost the case, he would go over unofficially after the person and, and give him some tzedakah, help him out you know, personally. So that's like a broader sense of justice. That's not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. Mm. So it's really, our tradition is really asking that we have justices and judges who, who are seeing, as we said before, like a higher, a higher level of justice, but really that there's an impartiality, that there's an ability to be compassionate, but without, um, without favoritism to a side, even if they're the, 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 the weaker side, you know, I mean, Unfortunately, we're, <laughs> the, we have this experience of judges being so caught up with, you know, partisan politics and judges being caught up with promoting um, different, different um, values that we know they're going to come out in favor of this, this side of this or that side of that. And, and really the ultimate goal for judges from a, from a Torah point of view is, is like really fair, impartial, no corruption in there at all. 
And that's the kind of justice we're, uh, we're hoping to return to, that kind of justice. And later in the Torah, it talks about especially emphasizing that judges shouldn't take bribes because bribes blind, blind a person. So there's all kinds of bribes that can be monetary bribes, it can be social, political, uh, economic bribes. Uh, so to be highly objective is something that really, you know, that's the key, I think, the key feature of a judge to be able to be both impartial and compassionate. Mm, beautiful, impartial and compassionate. Later on in the Torah, in the book of Deuteronomy, we have these these words that ring, I think, in our in our hearts and in our heads, tzedek tzedek tirdof, that we should live lives of tzedek is a slightly different word to mishpat, but like about righteousness. But righteousness and justice are so so connected to each other, and uh, in this in this world right now, it just feels like we we desperately need that kind of of justice, a justice that's about about uh, equality and fairness and, and non-corruptibility and so I, I'm wondering as we finish Yehudas I, I think of you as someone who gives such great uh, brachot such great blessings if you have a, a, a blessing to, to end us with like a, a blessing that relates to, to justice I and mean, we've talked about levels of justice to the vulnerable the stranger even um, our own enemy and so, wondering if there's a, a, a blessing that comes out of that for us this week. Well, I, I think, again, these, these two parshas, last week and this week, they're kind of sandwiched between revelation and, and laundry, so to speak. And the idea that God is in the details and, and there's, is, there's no small, there's no detail that's too small to have an appropriate relationship with from a Torah perspective. Uh, in fact, when Yitro, Moshe's father-in-law, advises him to have a court system, so the one thing that, that he says that Moshe changed, he said he, he said to Moses, the Hagadol, the, 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 the great thing you should you should educate and things that aren't so kind of monetarily you know valuable. You can have small claims court, so to speak. But Moshe changes it and he says, They should bring me the hard thing. So the idea is that if, if you're a, a judge should... I bless this world that, that people should have that inner sense of justice, not only for the big values and not only for the small details, but to be able to both see the forest and take... Take care and nurture the individual trees, whether they're they're people or property. Just a sense of respect for everything in God's world. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you so much, uh, Maria Yehudis Fishman. Um, may we just have lives where we bring more justice into this world. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to a dash and drush. We'll see you next time.